everyone, welcome to this live episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast, which I thought I'd do live for really no reason apart from it will make me do it. I have a ton of questions here, but if anyone has any questions, pop them in and I'll make sure I answer them. So the first one is tips for holiday season, please, to keep focused and on track while still enjoying ourselves. Thank you. I think my biggest tip for this is to go in with some intention. So, and this goes for like shorter term, like all of the events that you're going to, like what's the intention behind it? It's very hard to make the decision in the moment, especially with peer pressure. So I would try and make the choice before you go, instead of being like three drinks in and then deciding that your limit is three drinks. You absolutely can enjoy yourself and still stay on track if that's what you want to do. But more broadly, and what I do with my clients is figure out, okay, for this season, whether that's from like now, if Christmas starts now for you, until January, what is your goal? Because it might be, I want to continue with my goals. It's only like four days. It might be, I don't want to put on five pounds this year. It might be, I just want to stay at maintenance. But having a bit of intention before you go into it, rather than just letting shit happen to you, going in with a plan is far more beneficial. But as I said, you can absolutely have it all. And that's kind of what the way that I coach is all about of, yeah, you can enjoy yourself and still get results at the same time. There will be some compromises, but importantly, not sacrifices. Okay, question here. Hi, Emma, I think I wrote this in your Q&A box. So no idea if it got to you. My friend is doing the Cambridge diet. She is very, very obese and dropped two stone. She's chatting, uh, she's chatting to me about it, but she's on 800 calories, I assume. Um, no idea what to say. Honestly, so this might surprise some people, but some very, very overweight people will benefit from extremely low calorie diets to get the fat off quickly, and then they could go on to a maintenance phase. There's actually quite a lot of good research behind this. Um, another one known as the Newcastle diet, I think it's like a six to 800 calorie a day diet, um, very quickly reverses type two diabetes. Obviously it's very hard to stick to. Obviously it's not a long-term approach. Obviously it's not right for everyone. But if you have a ton of excess energy, i.e. body fat, you're not going to starve on very low calories because you have all this excess energy. Um, might not be the right approach for everyone, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the wrong approach. There just needs to be a long-term plan so that she doesn't regain the weight afterwards. But incredible that she's lost two stone. Like if someone who's obese loses two stone, the impact on their health is just unbelievable. Like that could potentially be like saving her life or at least adding like decades of healthy age, uh, healthy years to her life. So I'd be, you know, congratulating her but then maybe getting her to think about, right, once some of that weight is off, what's a more long-term approach that doesn't have quite so much restriction involved? Um, feel like I've not lost any body fat or pounds for months and months. Do I reset my body? How, no, how do I reset my body? I feel like I'm in a deficit, just losing my mojo. Okay, I'm gonna be totally honest. If you've not lost any body fat, for months and months and months, you're not in a deficit. So 
it sounds like what you need to do is not so much reset your body, but have a bit of an audit of where you are, what you're doing, because what you're doing now isn't working for your goal. What changes do you then need to make to make sure it is working? And that doesn't mean go all the way back to the drawing board. It could just be from here, if I'm not in a deficit, what tweaks can I make to my diet to make sure that I am consistently in a deficit? If you are overeating on occasions, like why is that happening? When is that happening? How can you figure out a better solution for that? If you're not being consistent with your steps, why is that happening? When is that happening? This often happens when you have a bit of kind of like, you could call it dieting fatigue, but maybe you when you've been dieting for a while, your accuracy with tracking tends to reduce. Um, yeah. I've just not, uh, I've just started doing more strength training over cardio. It feels weird now be doing a program where I'm not sweating loads and now my session can be less than an hour. I feel weird. Okay. I mean, I would, um, yeah. I mean, if you have any questions off the back of that, let me know, but how much you sweat isn't a good indication of how good your session is. But I would always recommend people do, you know, a bit of both. I think there's a question in the question box, like, what's better, Pilates or strength training? And it's like, well, what's your goal? And why can't you do both to get the benefits of both? Okay, next question. This is quite long, and I'm not a very proficient reader. So please bear with me. I feel the week before, oh no, that isn't what it says at all. <laughs> the week before my period, I'm always so hungry. I always make a plan for meals. Usually I'm good at sticking to this, but this week I felt uncontrollable in and out of the kitchen, not taking a lunch in on Friday and eating chips from the canteen. Even when I tried to distract myself, I felt someone had taken control of my body. I still hit steps, three workouts, as I absolutely felt fine, just hungry. Is it just a case of being kind and eating more on these days? It's strange, it always is the week before my period this happens. I mean, it's annoying, but I wouldn't say it's strange. It's actually very, very common. Um, and it sounds like for you, the best approach is probably to increase your calories on those days and you'll feel like you're in a hell of a lot more control. Um, yeah. And, and this is a little bit trial and error. What works for one person won't necessarily work for another person. Some people just being really planned and regimented during that time works better. So for myself, my cravings are definitely higher but increasing my calories doesn't really mitigate those cravings. So what I tend to do is just ignore them for three days and know that actually the way that I feel isn't indicative of how much extra calories my, body's ne my body needs. Um, I think I've got a post coming out tonight that essentially talks about this and it's a little bit of an unpopular opinion in some camps. But I really don't believe in like just listening to your body because it's not a good measure of how much energy you need. Even if you just look at hunger levels, like if you're just listening to your hunger levels, you will almost definitely overeat. And some individuals will overeat far more than others. So a couple of reasons that people might overeat. One, hormonal. Two, genetics. Some people have a higher drive to eat than others. Some people respond to exercise with an massive increase in hunger some people respond to exercise with a reduction in hunger might be the same exercise so you can see that it's not all equal and it's not all directly related to how much energy your body actually needs um so that's the consideration are walking pads okay for getting steps in 
Only dark evenings mean less time outside, but walking around my home back and forth makes me a little bit dizzy. Walking pads better than that, potentially. Yeah, they're fine. They're basically little treadmills. Great. Much safer than going outside in the dark at night. So, yeah. Okay. What else do we have here? Okay. How to say no to colleagues and patients bringing in Christmas treats. The snacks aren't a puck yes. If you follow me, you'll know what that means. But essentially, I stole it from Mark Manson, who has um, an article that's very good. It's actually about dating. It's called Fuck Yes or No. And basically, if someone's not a fuck yes, they should be a no. But I obviously translated that into dieting. And I don't like to swear that much. So I called it Puck Yes or No, right? So if something, if you really want something, great. You have it and you enjoy it. But if, for example, you get like the dessert menu and you're like, nothing's really jumping out of me, it's not a puck yes, so it's a no. Anyway, these patient treats are obviously not a puck yes, so they should be a no. Um, anyway, it says, the snacks aren't a puck yes, will tip me over my calories and trigger mindless snacking. The thing is, I don't want to let my colleagues know I'm in a deficit as that's when I feel judged about what plan I'm on how many calories and long story short internally I'm thinking fuck average so don't act average but do I communicate that how do I communicate that like politely <laughs> also love how much you've like taken on board of like the fuck yes or no the fuck average yes okay I would say that you don't need anyone to know right you could just say I'm full um you don't have to tell anyone that you're on a diet. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You could say, I don't like mince pies or no, thank you, but so nice of you to offer. The more that you give to it, the more that people will ask you about it. If you're like, no, sorry, I can't. I'm on a diet. Then people are going to be like, oh, what diet? Why? You look great. How long? Blah, blah, blah. You should just treat yourself to one, all this kind of stuff. If you're just like, no, thanks. And then leave it. Fine. Um, or even just like, no thanks, I'm going to wait till lunch. Cool. Genuinely, the less you make of it... Actually, I heard a really good tip on this. I've not tested it myself. And it's from the book Clear Thinking, which I've been speaking about a lot. Um, and the the way that he frames it is that most people won't question if you have a rule. So if you were like oh no, I don't eat on, or I don't eat snacks on shift, or I don't eat between meals, or I only have mince pies on a Friday or whatever. And it's like a rule, people don't really question it. So if you like, you were going out for drinks or you're going out for dinner and someone's like, do you want a glass of wine? And you're like, no, I only have wine on the weekend. People are less likely to question it than if you're like, no thanks, I don't think I'll have it tonight. Now, I don't know if that is the truth, but apparently, so you could try that as well. Um, what have I missed here? Emma, do you ever have things like chocolate? I know Thai is your puck, yes, but I wonder if you have a small indulgences and things, just curious. Yeah, I'm not a massive chocolate person, but yeah, now and again. I mean, I have a protein bar every day, which is essentially a chocolate bar. So yeah. Um, I did this today, attended a leaving lunch, which was a buffet. I took one chocolate to have with a cup of tea and ate my lunch later, small win. Amazing. And actually what's even more impressive is having 
one small piece of chocolate and enjoying it than being like not having any I'm on a diet and then you create this like I can't have something which makes you really want it as opposed to I'm choosing to have a small amount enjoy it and then move on if my goal is to lose fat and my hunger is controlled does four sessions of cardio sound excessive and three strength sessions I feel it helps me with stress management as long as you're recovering from it it's absolutely fine oh oh I did it and it didn't I had a notification that wouldn't go away okay Claire I'm taking creatine gummies at the moment we'll switch to powder next time there's no nutritional information available for them on the packaging or online naughty my protein and I can't find anything on a google search first ingredient is sugar and you need to take six gummies a day how many calories would you allocate for this I think it, I'm thinking 100 calories as I said I'll be moving to powder once these are used up they're certainly more convenient but I can think of a better way of spending 100 calories. I'm sorry, I have no idea. Surely they have to say, like, how many calories are in that. I, don't, I mean, I think 100 would be more than enough. Um, but yeah, I would, I would move to powder, and I actually couldn't really tell you. But I'm going to say less than 100. Um, okay, Jane... Hi Emma, you wrote an Instagram post recently about how sticking to 15 to 1600 calories isn't necessarily harder than hovering around 18 to 2000 calories. You mentioned that making some small tweaks can make calorie adherence feel easier. Can you elaborate slash give examples or swaps of the tweaks? Um, yes, I actually conveniently wrote a substack on this. To yeah, oh, it came out today. Um, and it is nine tips to manage hunger, which are kind of the same as this, of like little tweaks you can make that will make it easier to stick to your calories. Now, one of the primary ones is that if you're someone whose maintenance calories are around 2,000, you're not really going to see any results hovering between 1,800 and 2,000 calories, right? And one thing that's pretty demotivating is trying really hard and not getting results. Whereas if you lower your calories a little bit to 15 to 1600 and you do start seeing results, it's much easier to keep that going. What I meant by the tweaks is, a I would say one of the easiest ones is food volume. So when you diet, you don't want to eat less food. In fact, I would suggest that you even eat more food. You just want to eat food that you can eat more of for the same calories. So it doesn't feel like you're eating less food. That's a really important thing. I don't think it's spoken about enough is that humans are driven to eat a certain weight of food irrespective of the calorie content of that food. So you can kind of use that to your advantage a little bit by picking foods that weigh more but have less calories in. Things like fruit and veg that are high in water. Um, and it slows you down because you feel like you're eating more food. And it's just a much easier way to create a deficit. So I'd probably look at swaps like that. So it might look like something like instead of having your normal rice portion, you cut your rice portion in half and then you have a load of roast Mediterranean veg or you have a side salad or it's, you know, it's coming into winter. You have a bowl of soup to start with. Again, quite a few studies have shown that if you have soup as a starter, you then end up eating less at your main meal. So they're all the little tweaks that you can make that just 
make it easier for you to eat less and stick to your, well, eat more, but eat less calories and stick to your deficit. Okay, I've lost five kilograms over six months, consistent with workouts, and think I've mainly adhered to 1600 calories. Is this too slow? Do I have an adherence problem? No, it's not too slow. If you're happy with the results, I'd rather someone lost five kilograms over six months, had a life, enjoyed themselves, didn't put their life on hold for fat loss, and managed to maintain those results than someone yo-yoed up, you know, lost 10 pounds in two months and then put it all back on again. It also, five pounds, for, or sorry, five kilograms for some people is a huge amount of weight. Like if I lost five kilograms, I'd be underweight. And for other people, it's not that much weight because they've got a lot of fat to lose. So it really depends on how much you have to lose. I think a lot of people compare themselves to others and they don't really think about, well, that person has 30 kilograms of fat to lose and this person only has 10. Obviously, this person's rate of weight loss is going to be slower and as it should be. Um, thanks for sharing your workouts, Emma. I'm thinking of doing shorter, sharper workouts, wondering for muscle maintenance, whether training body part splitch, splitch, body part splitch, um, slash muscles I enjoy training is okay. Yeah. I mean, I put this on my sub stack so you can go and have a look there of how I train, which usually looks something like a bit of a full body circuit. And then I pick one body part. And I train six days a week, so I'll do like a body part split. Is it optimal? No. Is it optimal for me? Like, is it optimal for building muscle? No. Is it optimal for me and the outcomes that I want from exercise, i.e. energy levels, feeling good, a bit of an endorphin kick, concentration levels, the fact that I don't want to spend that much time exercising? Yes, so it, it really depends on what your goals are and why you're exercising. Okay, Emma, am I broken? I feel hungrier with high volume and protein and lower calorie food. Why is this? Protein is okay, but ton of veg, etc. doesn't seem to fill me up. Low carb salad, etc. It might just be that your calories are too low. Go and read the substack that I put up today. Um, totally free, by the way, but it talks you through loads of different considerations the first one is your calorie target because it might just be that you're trying to be in too big a deficit and that's why you're hungry which it, you know is the most obvious but usually the most obvious reason is the reason okay caroline fat loss is my main goal i am 12 stone which is heavy for me I'm perimenopausal, I've got an underactive thyroid, I'm 5 foot 5, I'm on 1600 to 1800 calories, increasing protein has had a massive, has been a massive game changer for me, I was veggie, but I've added fish, um, as I found I was eating lots of carbs and way too much fibre, I am finding I am way less hungry and therefore some days I don't want to eat more than 1500, is this okay to drop the calories or am I going down a restrictive slash over restrictive pattern? I am doing push-pull legs and then spin and I enjoy feeling this type of exercise. Thanks. Um, no, I think at 12 stone and five foot five, you've got ample excess energy there. If you want to be in a slightly bigger deficit because you're genuinely full and you're hitting your protein target and you're getting your fruit and veg in, then there's absolutely no problem being in a slightly bigger deficit. If you were like, I'm only eating a thousand calories a day, I would have a different response. 
But if you're like, oh, I'm trying to stick between 1600 to 1800, but some days I'm, I'm closer to 1500, that's fine, not a problem. Okay, Nancy. Hello, hello. Deload weeks, is this something we should be doing? And if so, how regularly? And what might it look like? Thanks. Okay, so deload weeks are weeks where you drop your training volume so that you can adapt better. This is kind of taken from more, well, I say more, Nancy might be a very experienced strength trainer, but it normally is people who are really looking to push performance, right? So elite level athletes will do things like this. They'll push themselves to what's known as like a kind of overreaching range. And then they'll have a deload week so that they can recover from really pushing themselves and then they'll start pushing themselves again, right? For most people, it is completely unnecessary. And for most people, you will naturally have a deload week. So whether that's because your kid's off school sick or it's a bank holiday, bank holiday? It's a, what do you call it? <laughs> School holiday. And that means that you can't get to the gym as many times or you go on holiday or you're not well for a week or you have a little niggle. My point is most people kind of naturally have a bit of a deload week and most people probably aren't training hard enough to really need one. I say that myself as well, right? Um, so unless you've got some serious strength training goals, you probably don't need a deload re a week. You might need a bit of a rest week now and again um, especially if you've got demands from other areas of your life. But I wouldn't, especially with a more lifestyle-based client, I certainly wouldn't program them in. But if I thought that you needed one because you've got a load of stress at work, a load of stress at home, a load of stress in the gym, and then I might be like, okay, let's, let's reduce the volume at the gym this week. So it gives you more capacity for other areas of your life. But I'm not going to know that's going to happen at week six, you know, and then again the next six weeks. So I wouldn't do that. Now, what a deload week generally looks like or should look like is you reduce training volume, but you don't reduce training intensity. Um, and yeah, most people probably don't need them. Okay. Hi, Emma. I'm now four to six. I'm now in weeks four, four, oh, four of six, of commit to six, going well. I've learned to love big salads, lots of both scale and non-scale victories. However, one non-negotiable, one, ne, ne, one, oh, <laughs> do you know what? Sometimes I just make up words that definitely aren't there. One noticeable downside is flexibility. I'm finding myself increasingly aching and tight. Previously, I was doing a run slash yoga, which wasn't shifting the pounds. Whilst this was having the fat effect... Wait, what? Whilst this is having the fat effect, it's an expense of flexibility at the moment. I'm doing four gym workouts per week. It takes me two hours each time, given that I live... Given where I live... So time for yoga has dropped off. Do you think this flex can come back after like muscle memory if set aside for a while or do gains compromise it? Would I be better dropping a strength session for a mobility session? My priority is fat loss as I'm sick of the wobble. Okay, so 
firstly, the coaching advice, yes, drop one of your gym sessions, do push-pull legs at the gym, and then do a yoga session, because then you're getting the benefits of resistance training and the benefits of yoga as well. Neither of these things are what's helping you with the fat loss. The fat loss is probably more to do with your newfound love of big salads, aka you're managing to create and stick to a calorie deficit long-term. That's what's helping you lose fat. Really, the amount of like, I mean, our gym workouts definitely aren't really con contributing to your fat loss because they just don't burn that many calories. Like, you don't expend that many calories in your gym workout. So it's more likely that you're hitting your steps and you're sticking to your calorie target. And the exercise that you do is there to build muscle and for health. But it's really not having much impact on your fat loss. Which means I'm very happy for you to do three gym workouts and the yoga session and I think that's a very nice mix okay um oh one really annoying notification just comes up and if you click it oh I'm too scared to do it okay right I'm not I'm not going to do that but I've reached the end of the questions if anyone has any other questions feel free to dm me at any point I would love to help and have lovely evenings Goodbye.